Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to my friend Dom Wells, and he's the founder of Human Proof Designs, though we do have some news that we'll be sharing, and he sold it. He sold Human Proof Designs, and he's working on a new project called Onfolio. So that's where you can find him now, onfolio.co. I'll put links in the description and show notes and stuff like that. And Dom and I have known each other for a little while, actually, since we both started online, roughly. Um, we've sort of been in touch. We started our respective blogs around the same time. And luckily, we sort of focused on different areas. So I focused more on like creating a course and teaching and that sort of thing. And Dom focused more on the services business side of like the things that we talk about, which is Amazon affiliate marketing. Primarily, we talk about some other things too, but that's kind of our focus in both cases. Now, I'm not going to spoil too much from the interview, but I will tell you that we talk about human proof designs quite a bit because I'm interested in the service business side of it because I didn't, I didn't want to do that part. So it was interesting hearing how Dom grew the team, hiring full-time employees, managing the remote team, and all the details around that. Eventually, as you can imagine from the title of this, they were pulling in seven figures of revenue, which is over a million bucks for the people that can't count that high or you're not sure about the the uh, number of commas in there or anything like that. But anyway, they were making a lot of money, basically, which is cool. Um, moving forward, we do talk about why Dom wanted to start something new, how he got the idea, and why he's working on on Folio versus you know sticking with human proof designs or something different. So with that said, I will just uh, mention if people haven't subscribe to Niche Site Project, the email list, and you're interested in learning more about starting an affiliate site or even productivity or some random stuff, you should sign up. So just go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email, and I'll send you a whole bunch of free, cool stuff. That said, let's head to the interview with Dom Wells right now. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and I'm with my good friend, Dom Wells. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. It's, uh, it's always fun when we have our, our conversations together. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a while. We were chatting off the, off the record there for a few minutes, and it was like, you know, it's been several months, maybe a year since we've chatted. Um, so it's good to catch up. And for the folks that don't know you, can you give a little bit of an intro about how you like sort of got into the space of online marketing and sort of what you're working on now? Yeah, um, I got started with affiliate marketing in 2012. Um, I felt like I didn't really get started till 2013 because 2012 was pretty much reading stuff, building websites that failed miserably. Um, making my first few dollars online and then trying to figure it out from there. Um, and 2013 was when I first started making like a few hundred dollars a month. And, and I was just building basically niche sites, just like, um, my first site was stopping smoking, which was a bad niche site. Cause it's not, you know, it's like one of the broadest, most complicated topics out there, but I had just quit smoking. So it seemed relevant at the time. Um, and then 
I started to have a little bit of success and in very late 2013, probably more like 2014, I, um, I started Human Proof Designs, which was a company where we basically did services specifically done for you website creation for affiliate marketers, mostly beginners who wanted to get started. Um, I'd seen a gap in the market where there were a lot of people buying these kind of turnkey starter websites or flipper and and they were i think warrior forum as well and they were mostly scams or just junk websites that were never going to get anyone anywhere so i was like why don't i build good starter websites with training and uh you know a community around them and a support group and all of that um and then that pretty much became the thing i did for for a very long time for about five years um, and I, I grew that um, somehow managed to grow grow it to a million dollars in revenue over 2017 and 2018 um, and then last towards the end of last year so late 2018 I started on folio which was based on an idea I'd actually had in 2014 and then forgotten about and then rehad if you rehab an idea. Um, and then, so I started that and that's basically working with investors and people who want to buy established websites, like maybe $30,000 or $100,000 websites, uh, but they just don't want to run them or they don't have the skill to run them. So my team and I will, will be like the operator of the website. Um, and we'll, we'll have a management fee and a profit share with the, the investor. Um, so that's pretty much my focus these days. Awesome. So that is a awesome trajectory. So you started not knowing anything. It was a little rough in the beginning. You became successful, right? You, you started making some money, saw the gap in the market to provide some services for, for the market, and then slowly grew that up into a, a big business, sold it. And then you found another gap in the market through, you know, being, you know, in the trenches with the market, I guess. I'm using market a lot here, but the point is you identified another gap and now you're, you're filling that. Awesome. Now, most people in the world haven't started a website and maybe, maybe they're thinking about a side gig, but um, like, in the beginning, I know how frustrating it was for me making mistakes and you alluded to, you know, many failures before you had any success. Can you take us back? Like, what, what was it like? Like, what were you thinking? How did you keep going when it looked like you were just making a bunch of mistakes? Um, I don't know how I kept going, really. Um, I think it was because there was so much to learn and so many different things to get excited about, which was definitely, uh, I guess it hindered me to some extent as well, because, you know, there's the shiny object syndrome and I was being like, maybe I'll do like local lead gen, or maybe I'll try and do like CPA networks, like stuff like Peerfly. And, uh, for a while I was on Squidoo and those sites. So those things definitely slowed my progress, but because there was always something new to try, I guess it always meant that when I failed with something, I was like, oh, well, I'll try that thing instead. Or I'll, I'll try a different niche instead. And so I just kind of, something motivated me to not give up, I guess, because I had seen enough people succeeding that I felt like 
it must be possible. Like I, I think my biggest doubt was not that it was possible. It was that I could do it uh, because I've always been a bit of an underachiever. Um, and so I was like in the back of my mind, something was like, yeah, but just because someone else is going to succeed doesn't mean you will. But I don't know. I guess I just kind of lied to myself. I BSed to myself enough that eventually it became true. I was like, no, I can do it. Um, and I really just, there were lots of small things as well. Like I was able to kind of, like maybe my first website didn't do great, but I got better at installing WordPress. Like I remember the very first website, I couldn't figure anything out with WordPress. Like what's the difference between a page and a post and all of that. And so the next time I set up a site, I was like, oh, that, this was much easier. And then maybe my second website made $10 in a month. Um, and so my third website I felt like, well, I can make a little bit of money and I can set a website up. So I don't know. I just, it just kept getting better every time. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually, to be honest, I still feel like it's the same process. <laughs> like it's just, every, the numbers are a little bit bigger now. Yep. And actually that was my next question as you were making that statement. It's like, does that feeling go away? Cause I know it doesn't for me. It's like you know, partially imposter syndrome and you know, there's a lot of labels for it, but at the end of the day, you just don't know if what you're doing is going to work, even if you've done it a couple of times. So has it gone away for you specifically for like on folio or are you like, yeah, hundred percent like this is a go. Um, no, I think it does stay. I think maybe it changes slightly. Um, like basic stuff, like, you, you see someone else is doing the same niche as you or the same, just the same idea. And you're like, Oh no. And then it's like, come on, you, you should know by now that competitors are a good thing because it validates your idea. And also, you know, you're, there's always going to be other people. So you still have these thoughts and these doubts, but I think they, they're a lot easier to dismiss now because you're like, ah, like, what am I doing? Like, shut up. You know, you, mm -hmm. you push them aside. Whereas when you get them in the beginning, you, you haven't got that kind of confidence bank to, to make a withdrawal from. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's harder in the beginning, but I don't think those feelings ever go away. Mm -hmm. You just get better at dealing with them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, I was just looking for validation for myself, I guess, since I still feel that sort of, uh, you know, indecision at yeah. times and you're nervous and you don't know if it's going to work and you just have to push through. So, all right. Still, you know, back in that early sort of part of your timeline there, how did you decide to focus more on services versus, you know, tripling and doubling down on just creating more sites or, or did you, I'm making an assumption there, but how, how did you get into the services business and decide that that was going to be the main deal? Um, to be honest, it was just where people would pay me. I, I really think like it was just about figuring out how I could make some money. Um, and when I first started, I, I wasn't really interested in services. I just wanted like the kind of passive affiliate model, I didn't want to deal with customers and all of that. I didn't want to build a, uh, become an authority or build a like personal brand or anything. Um, and like looking back is the easiest way to scale a business is to build a, like a personal brand as you know, both of us know. Um, but I, I think really, yeah, it was just, um, 
I was still growing my own site. So one question I got a lot was, why do you sell sites to people rather than just grow your own? And the answer in the beginning was because I can research like 20 sites a month and I can build 20 sites a month, but I can't run 20 sites. So, you know, maybe I'll run five and sell 15. Um, and so it was like a, there was also a supply and demand thing as well. People were going to pay me to build them a site. Um, so I did still run my own sites and scale them, but I just also sold others. Um, and then as the team got bigger, I realized, well, I can focus more on my own portfolio now because I have more bandwidth again. So it kind of was like, first it was just me doing my own thing. Then it was just growing human proof designs and then it was growing both. And then like now it's focusing on my own portfolio again. Um, and it is kind of funny because I, if someone said, do you like service-based businesses? I'd be like, no, nah, they suck. <laughs> I hate them. But like objectively, of course. Um, but at the same time, I, I keep falling into service businesses and I keep doing well with them. <laughs> so I guess I don't, I don't hate them. <laughs> it's smart not to fight it, uh, yeah. you know. But I mean, I experimented with some service businesses and actually recently did in the past six months and again realized and remembered, re-remembered that I don't really like it that much for many of the reasons which, you know, people know of service businesses. There's a lot of clients. You have to keep the pipeline full. Customer service is big, um, especially with higher ticket items in our market of internet marketing where there's some scammy people, you know, to have good customer service is essential. So, um, yeah, very interesting very, very interesting. And it's good that you're like embracing the fact that you do good with services. So you may as well keep moving with it. So um, when you started Human Proof, um, was it was it just you building the sites? Like, how did you grow the team? Can you just tell us about the trajectory of that up until when you sold it? Yeah, so in the beginning, it was just me. Um, I I did everything myself except write content. Um, and in fact, the very first websites I built, I didn't even write the content. I was just like, I'm just going to research a niche, do all the keyword research, build a website and hand it over. But then I was like, people need content. So, um, I was outsourcing content. Uh, I think at first I was using iWriter. Um, and that iWriter was great because you, you could get content turned around very quickly, but it was bad because the content was never that good. So there was a lot of editing, um, required. Um, it was also quite cheap as well, so I could keep the cost of the websites down. Um, and then the first hire I made was someone to assemble the sites for me. So I was just like, okay, um, I'll give you the articles when they're done and you just assemble the sites. And it was a very much um, because they were done for you sites, they were all built the same way. So it was like, here's the articles upload them, do the formatting and like do all the other stuff, like install the plugins and so on. Um, and then he was quite good with plugins. So he was able to create kind of like push button WordPress installations where he would, you know, like the sort of human proof skeleton would be there. And then he'd just load in the articles. Uh, and then the next hires I made were writers because I was sick of dealing with iWriter and I realized I could actually get it cheaper if I, paid in bulk so i was like hey i need 10 articles if you order one article maybe you're going to pay like 10 dollars an article um but i could say hey 
here, I need someone to do 10 articles for me for like $60. And someone would be like, they'll just see 60 instead of 10. And they'll be like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> so then, whew, what did I hire next? The next thing I needed was an editor just or like someone who was just in charge of the content. So then I would just give them the keywords. They'd order the content. They'd pass it to the site builder person. And then the next thing I outsourced was I brought on a project manager to just deal with everything so that I could then focus more on marketing the business and writing blog posts and all of the like working on the business type stuff. Um, and then as that scaled, we then brought in people below all of those people. So then there'd be like the project manager would have an assistant and the website builder would have like four website builders under them. And um, then we ended up with like five keyword researchers and then we would promote one of those five to the head of the keyword research team so that my project manager who became my coo could then move on and build the writing team um and that process took probably a year and a half really to get really well um, and it went from like i've never hired anyone off upwork to upwork is sending me christmas cards because i'm like a vip customer <laughs> in the space of about two years maybe um, yeah, so like very quickly. And, and the, I think the real key was that I didn't hire everyone myself. I hired someone whose job it was to hire people. So right. I was like, so when I brought Brad on, who is the human proof design COO, even today, he, he would be like, right, what's the biggest bottleneck? And I'd say keyword research. And so, okay, teach me keyword research. So I taught him how we do it. He did it by himself for two weeks. And then he was like, right, I feel like I'm competent enough. And I was, I was giving him feedback during this two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, right, I feel like I'm competent enough to teach it. So I'm going to go out and hire like four Filipinos to do it for us. And I was like, okay. And so he, he did that. And then he trained them. And then after two more weeks, he said, yeah, one of them is really good. I think he should be the manager. And I said, okay. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then that was the keyword research team. And then he's like, right, what's the next bottleneck? And so it's like uh, ordering the content and then rinse and repeat. And so we did that systematically for, well, whatever I just said, like 18 months, um, 12, yeah, around 18 months to get everything done um, to the point where I was completely out of operations, except maybe replying to customer emails and stuff. Um, and we were able to launch way more products. So like in the beginning, if a customer said to me, hey, can you also do SEO? Can you also do PBN links? Can you also do eBooks, um, blah, 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 blah. We would say no, because we didn't have the bandwidth. But now whenever we wanted to launch a new service, it was really a case of me designing the service, Brad figuring out the logistics of how that service would be delivered, how much it would cost, how much we should therefore charge and then training the necessary people, um, we would basically just launch the product um, and like it was very smooth. So we went from being like ground to a whole customers asking for refunds, wondering why their product isn't delivered yet, to being able to like launch a new service in like two weeks because of like this this sort of right. team that we, yeah the system we built. Very cool, and you know just hearing you talk about that, it is you know, very systematic. It's an iterative approach so that you can like 
make progress as you go, learn from each time you launch a new product and all of it makes sense. And that's something I've never done with any service business that I tried to do, which I know as I'm going through it, I'm like, do I want to, do I want to push through this? And then I always decide no. So I'm glad, (laughs) I'm glad people like you are doing it. And it's a good overlap. I mean, I think when, um, I think when you and I first met, we started our blogs and we, you know, we were in the same circles a little bit. And I mean, we, we were competitors, right? We were kind of, we didn't know what we were doing exactly. And, um, you know, eventually we had two different markets that we were sort of focusing on where there's a great overlap, very little stepping on toes. So it's been, you know, a good relationship where we can work together um, versus like, you know, talk bad about each other or something like that. So kind of meta, but that, that's my observation. So any thoughts on that? Like on our relationship or on what? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. On, on the, or, or the, the two, like our two businesses and as we were getting started just to decide to collaborate versus, you know, be enemies, I guess. Cause I have approached people and I'm, I'm like, we could probably work together well. And they just completely ignore my email or they just, they're rude. And they're like, no, go, you know, go off yourself. Right. So, um, so any os- observations on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I can probably draw a straight line from like the day I started trying to approach other people to, kind of where I am now. Um, And there were people that didn't reply. Like, you know, one of the first people I contacted was Spencer Hawes and he, he replied, but like um, he wasn't going to collaborate with me because he didn't really know who I was back then. And, and so I was like, okay, maybe I should start smaller. Um, And there were other people who I messaged uh, like Tung Tran, who was from cloud living, who was like, I'm not really interested in promoting your stuff, but here's some feedback. Here's how you could improve it. And um, because of that, we actually maintained the relationship. And I actually went to Tung's wedding like uh, last September. So, you know, he said no, but in a very respectful way. And actually, whenever I launched services, I was like, they have to pass like the Tung (laughs) test or the the gay owl test from Authority Hacker. Because like if those guys like your stuff it means it's good quality um and so then yeah there were people like authority hackers who again weren't really interested in promoting my stuff but they were like nice guys and they were still happy and we've linked to each other and and stuff like that and then yeah there were people who were just rude but then there were people like you who replied and um matthew allen he was very uh, friendly early on um who else uh, john haver was um, sort of ultimately ended up becoming a competitor through his association with brand builders. But in the beginning, like he was friendly and we're still friendly, but I mean, we, in the beginning, we were more willing to work together than later on. Um, and yeah, like, uh, empire flippers as well. They were huge in, in helping me. So I think it's just kind of one of those things where it's like you just have to reach out to everyone in the space and maybe maybe not just reach out like, hey, link to me or like, hey, be my collaborator. But you're going to get some people who you vibe with early on and some people who you don't. And um, that's just like how it goes. Um, and I think a lot of the success on Folio's had because we're 
we've barely really marketed it apart from the fact that I've come on podcasts and stuff and sent a few emails out, but it's already like on course to be a pretty good year. And I think a lot of that comes to the fact that I've spent years like building up contacts and, and networking and just generally making friends with people. Um, and I think like in your case, sometimes there was maybe incentive to not share each other's stuff. Sometimes there's more incentive. Like I know we promoted your course for a while and then we had our own course. So kind of didn't make sense. Um, and then, but I think there's, I guess while all of that's going on, like we were always maintaining like a kind of cordial friendship anyway, which means that just stuff's right. I don't know. It's, like, yeah. it's always positive. So, yep. Well, in, in fact, you know, I heard you were working on something new and I said, let's talk about it. Come, come on the show so we could tell people about it. So it all makes sense. Just, I mean, if people are watching out there and you're worried about competition, like maybe you don't have to worry too much. Like the rising tide lifts all boats and all that. All the people that you mentioned that were friendly are still like, they're still doing something and they're moving on to other things. So maybe that has something uh, or maybe that's evidence to like being, you know, nice and friendly and professional as far as networking is a good idea versus, you know, trying to beat people up out there. So, okay. So moving, oh, were you going to say something there? No, I was just going to say like, you're right. Like, and you never know if like four years later, you're going to bump into these people and become friends with them. Like, like, um, I bumped into Spencer and, Chris Guthrie at um, Traffic and Conversion in San Diego last uh, last March, and it was like, oh hey, yeah, how are you? I know you, and we like had beers together and stuff. And so nice. it's like, I was like, ha, I got you eventually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you're on my friends list now. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. and, and like the other thing, like you said, you know, you you emailed Spencer back in the day, and like he didn't know who you are, but now you've you know you've been around, you've proven your. Um, you know, a responsible, knowledgeable person, you're running a solid business and there's a lot of social proof out there to, uh, I guess, support that. So, I mean, at this point, he's confident that you're not going to, you know, do something like that. The problem is if someone promotes you and then you turn out to be, um, like a bad dude, then they sort of lose some credibility with their audience. So that that's the risk yeah. out there. And I know people have approached me and they're, they're trying, I mean, they want me to like promote their product or something like that. And I don't know who they are. Maybe they're a little bit rude in the email. They don't even tell me their last name, like that sort of stuff. Like it's a, it's a little, it's a little hard. So you, it's hard to separate, you know, who's, who's, a, um, I guess pro, a professional. So. Yeah. And, yeah, to some extent, you know, maybe you open the email, you scan it, and you're you're not even going to bother checking out what what their offer is because of the bandwidth, and you're just like, oh, whatever, I'll deal with, <laughs> I'll deal with them later. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I remember actually, I think Chris Lee from Rank XL, he sent me an email promoting his course when he very first started it, and I think that was just an example of an email I opened and sort of glazed over and was like oh, i'll think about that later and then i closed the email and i never thought about it again and then i think i saw like Stuart walker from niche hacks promoting the course or something like that or someone and i was like yep. that sounds familiar and i went back and i opened the email and was like oh yeah hey chris how's it going <laughs> so it kind of 
once you've been on the other side of it, you can kind of realize like um, what it's like when you're being the, when you're doing the outreach, you can see what the other person's like. And they're probably, they, they're not deliberately ignoring you or trying to be like, trying to be uh, rude or anything, but they probably just don't have the incentive or the bandwidth to give you much time until, like you say, until you prove yourself. Um, yeah. Got it. So Onfolio, can you tell me about like the origin of Onfolio? You mentioned you had the idea and then, you know, we're growing human proof and then it sort of came back to you. So how did you get from, you know, there to where you are now? Yeah, I actually remember, um, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was probably 2014. Um, and I was, I was at lunch with my, my wife, um, back then she was my girlfriend. And, um, I remember saying to her, like I was talking about human proof or something. And I was like, yeah, I had a, another business idea today. Um, I think a really cool business would be like, I know how to buy a website off empire flippers and grow it, but I don't have like $30,000 spare, but other people have $30,000 spare, but they don't know how to grow a website. So wouldn't it be really cool if, if I could partner with people like that? And, um, and she was like, Oh, kind of like real estate or stockbroker, that kind of thing. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, you should do my marketing. Um, I was like, yeah, exactly. Um, but the problem is I'm just some dude in Taiwan, like oh, I barely full time in my own business. And like, I don't have uh, a track record or, um, a team or authority or any of those things that you need, but maybe one day I will. And then, you know, that was the end of that idea. And then, um, 2018, I did a deep dive survey to the human proof design audience, which is from the, the ask method by Ryan Levesque. And, um, basically I, I was just surveying the audience and I was asking them what their biggest problems were. And one or two people mentioned they had money to buy websites like like big websites, not like done for you ones, but they didn't know where to buy them or what to do with them once they bought them. Um, uh, like I think three or four people mentioned it out of a couple hundred and which is, I was like, mm, that's actually high enough to continue this conversation. So I emailed a few people and was like, so do you think a course on website investing would be good? Or do you think a service? And some of them were like, yeah, a course would be good. Some were like a service would be good. And then, so I, I actually built a course and, while promoting the course, even more people were like, you know, a service would be good. And I was like, I know, <laughs> I'm just trying to promote the course first. Um, and then I was like, wait a second, I had this idea before, like four years ago. Um, but now I am an authority. I do have a track record. I do have experience. I do have a team. Interesting. And I also think the market now is more mature. Um, there's more, there's better websites for sale, like, you know, no offense to the Empire Flippers sites in 2014, but the ones for sale now are way better. They're a lot bigger. You know, there are sites on the market right now, like $5 million, $2 million, $800,000 that are like still just content websites. Um, and there's more serious money moving in, but there's still a lack of like professional sort of, managers there's 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 more and more people 
coming to the same conclusions that I'm coming to. And the more I talk about it, the more other people will enter the space. Um, so, you know, if they haven't built a service business before, good luck learning how to do that. But, um, yeah, so I just kind of felt like I got the validation. I realized like, um, I, I, I had all the answers this time, whereas I didn't four or five years ago. And, I just started talking about it a little bit and people were like, yeah, I've been looking for this kind of business for, for a long time. Um, so suddenly like we've got like 30 sites that we're running <laughs> and it's like, Oh, okay. I guess this is a good idea. Um, so that's kind of, it's just a, it's like, for me, it's a great story, but for a beginner listening to this or someone who's trying to find their way, they might be like, well, yeah, that's great for you because you already had an audience and you already um, you were able to leverage your network and, and so on. And like, yeah, I can't really deny that. Um, so I think it's just a case of understanding maybe your market and looking for a gap or a need. And I think that is why I keep falling into service businesses because I keep seeing these needs out there and not being afraid to run a service to fulfill that need um and i guess my advice to anyone who was, is a beginner like that would be to just the more experience you get in your niche the more you're the sooner you'll be in that kind of situation that i was in um because it is just a kind of case of like what do they say like um you have to work for ten thousand hours to get overnight success or something like that and i don't know if on folio will be classed as an overnight success but it definitely feels like a case of it's very easy right now because of what i've done before so you know people just have to do that before a bit to get to to this kind of position right. interesting well and i mean you you started with no audience and no credibility and you built it over time so yeah like you said it's a eight year overnight success or something like that but you know, when you look at it, though, it's really um, on Folio is a bit of an extension, you know, another service business. It's not like you've switched business models completely. It's just like um, higher stakes, higher investment value, but it's the same concepts overall. So very cool. Um, very cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so from a like services that on Folio provides. So can you kind of outline like what the process is like if someone's interested in investing maybe it's like a, a private investment group maybe a family uh, family trust or something like that like what happens yeah so we've got three services really well we've we've got three but we've got two because no one's ever used one of them <laughs> so someone suggested it to me and i was like oh, that's a good idea and no one's ever gone for it um so one service is actually kind of we partner with people who already have sites and they're whether they built that site from scratch or they bought it um we partner up and we generally people come to us for two reasons like one is because they just don't know how to grow the site anymore um or they don't have the capacity like maybe they have a full-time job they're like i know what i need to do to get this to the next stage but i don't have the time um others just don't know what they need to do or it's people that just don't have the bandwidth or the desire to run their sites anymore um like we run a couple of sites for ace chapman who he has a huge portfolio of sites and he's just like okay can you guys just run these four for us um 
and then there's yeah so there's like those people um those sites we don't just take like smaller sites um because it's not really worth our time and we can you know we want the site to be established um so that we can turn the dials and make stuff happen um and then the other service is similar but it's like someone has money they want to get started but they don't know how to run a site so they'll they'll buy the site and we'll run it for them and we'll help them find the site we'll do the due diligence we'll hop on a call with the seller and do all of that stuff um and then they own the asset but we'll in exchange for a management fee and a share of anything we can grow we will run the site for them um and again for that one like we have a minimum which is fifty thousand dollars because anything below that there's not really enough profit in the site for us to make it um for us to take a management fee and then for there to be a budget for growing the site and the investor to get ROI. So like the bigger the amount of money, the, the, the bigger it is for everyone. Um, the other service which no one uses is just like something kind of in between. It's like you want to buy a site and you want to run it yourself, but you don't want to buy a, a scam. We'll just do the due diligence for you. But okay. No one, no one's interested. They either, they either want us to run it or they're, they're fine. Um, okay. And then one thing we are looking at doing is kind of a, like a group buy type thing where it's like, like we really want to move up the food chain because when you buy a site that is say 500 K um, it's got way more profit in it's P and L generally it has a team already like VAs and everything included. Um, content costs are already included usually so it's got the growth budget like baked in and also it's a much higher quality site and we can run fewer of them like we could run five 500k sites and make a very nice management fee to be worth our time and grow those sites but we don't need to hire like 50 we don't need to buy 50 sites to to pay for our overheads because 50 sites you can't really focus on them um, so what we're thinking of doing is like maybe someone only has 30k or someone has 100k but they don't want to just buy one single site with it so we'll probably like what we think about doing is like every quarter basically pooling people's money together in like a JV um, and then you know setting it up as like a legal entity and and um, just buying like one site with it and so that's more like a kind of like a real estate investment type thing like the way that works and then we'll just run it and um predetermine whether we're gonna do it for cash flow or like sell it in two years or something like that um so that's that's the service which has attracted the most attention um i thought it would be the partnership but generally people that already have sites they're less willing to give away some of the share which which is understandable Whereas other people are like, yeah, I just, I have money. I just want to invest and I want, but I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to buy a site and have it go to zero. Right. So it's, yeah. So that's, that's the area that we're most excited about and where we can offer the most value as well. Gotcha. And you know, that the service, the vetting service that, I mean, totally makes sense to me. In fact, people have hired me to vet sites ahead of time. So I bet it's just a matter of time before that's like 
one of the more popular services because you know what whatever it is that you charge is going to be a bargain versus like buying a site that you know is somehow scammy or there's something that they didn't know to look for as an issue so i think it's only a matter yeah. of time yeah yeah i think like even if we charged like like if someone's going to buy a site for say 60 grand we could charge like 10 grand and it would still be a good deal for them but we would probably charge like a lot less than that um but there are companies out there that do that already mm-hmm. as well so you know, like centurica for example so we're not like that's that's a good one-time payment to bring in some money for us but it's like not really the kind of long-term mm-hmm. play that i see on folio succeeding with so sure i'm not too fast about the success of that one and it's, um, well, in my head, I'm like, well, it's a great, you know, once you get them in the door and show them value, you can, um, you know, upsell them on the management stuff, unless they just happen to be, you know, I would imagine a person that would hire for a vetting service doesn't necessarily have the skills to grow it. So maybe it's a lead magnet kind of, or not a lead magnet, but a tripwire situation into the big, um, I don't know. We're just, I'm just speculating here, but. Yeah, maybe I should just do the vetting for like a hundred dollars or something. <laughs> yeah. Just as like a, just get them like, in the door. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. can you? Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. There, were you done with your thought? No, I was just mumbling to myself. That's so cool. <laughs> All right. So, I don't know like how much you can reveal, but like, what's the general process? So. You, Let's say someone um, comes in like Ace, for example, who has like a site um, that's doing well. Um, obviously, you're incentivized, I believe, to you know grow the site, right? Like you want to grow it, you get paid more. So everybody has the same incentive. They want to you know in- increase the revenue. So can you take us through just some of the basic things that the team does to grow the site? Uh, yeah. Um... So every site's different, but generally we start out in the same place. And most sites that we've partnered on um, have had some some level of technical SEO issue. Um, pretty much everyone we've been like, well, the first thing we're going to do is fix that. And that, that issue might be as basic as like not having an SSL certificate installed to sometimes we get people that haven't fixed the Yoast you know, the great Yoast era of 2018, uh, just where a bunch of their stuff got indexed that shouldn't. Uh, some of them have architecture issues. Um, so just like navigation and site structure and things like that. Um, pretty much every single one has speed issues. Generally, if someone knows how to get their speed good, then they don't need our service. Um, so we normally will fix all them first um then there's a lot of cro type stuff like most people like if it's an amazon site they don't really have mobile optimized tables um i'm sure matthew allen would have (laughs) something to say about that with his plugin um but yeah a lot of them a lot of them don't have mobile friendly tables or mobile friendly this or mobile friendly that um and from there, it's very much a bespoke plan. Like some of them, it's like, right, now we're just going to smash the site with content until until all that site scales. Other sites, it's like, we need to disavow all your spammy backlinks. Um, 
other sites it's like oh you've got an info product funnel let's try doubling the pricing on that and that kind of thing so yeah it really it's always the same we do a technical audit a speed audit and a kind of keyword and backlink audit and based on that we usually have something to improve and sometimes that can be enough to turn the the site around as well Uh, they're not always like distressed sites when they come to us but yeah quite often they it can turn them around um but then from there it really varies like what we're going to do next sure so very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I could definitely imagine some people have sites where there's a ton of content, almost no backlinks, or vice versa, where there's, you know, 50 posts, but a crazy amount of backlinks, and there's opportunities to like fill the gaps wherever they happen to be. Interesting. So with the, it sounds like a lot of work um, needs to be done for any of the sites. So tell me about the team that you have now or sort of how that's structured. I know, um, but actually I'll just leave it at that. I won't speculate. So what's the team like? How do you run that? Um, Fortunately, I hired a very good project manager recently. So things have been a lot more smooth over the last couple of months. Um, But essentially there's like, there's not actually that many of us like on the actual sort of core team. There's probably about 10 um and that will range from like me who's you know like the boss and then alejandro who does a lot of the um he does all of the audits and a lot of the he's kind of an extension of me in the way that he'll do a lot of the game plans for the sites and deciding what we're going to do but then he's also strong in other areas he's a lot better at technical seo than i am so he does all of that all of the audits um and then we have the project manager, Esby, and then so she's just like making sure we're all doing stuff. Um, she's like, you know, whenever my Asana queue gets to zero, suddenly it's back to 10 again. <laughs> and then we have just various freelancers below that and people who are full time who like uh, we have someone called Hannah who's really good at Pinterest. And so she runs runs that side of thing because um, we, we've got a lot of sites that do well with the kind of Pinterest and Mediavine model. Um, for, there's a lot of people like in affiliate marketing who are really focused on like SEO and best, blah, blah, blah. And then there's loads and loads of people, mostly work at home mums, but not, there's, there's a lot of others in the group as well, who are just like silently crushing it with Pinterest and Mediavine and making like 5K a month, uh, 10K a month, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, Pinterest is a big part of what we do. Um, uh and then yeah we just have like sort of vas below that who you know like they do content uploading and audits and uh on-page seo tweaks and all of that stuff um yeah and then we bring in you know like if we need content written we use an agency or use like human proof designs articles and seo like authority builders and um maybe some other more gray hat ones depending on if it's like our site or not uh, stuff. Sure. yeah things are interesting okay and like when you branched out to like work on on folio and i guess slowly we're deciding to you know make it your main focus like how did you i guess 
determine what success was? How do you know you're on the right track? Sounds like, you know, you have quite a few sites that you're managing now, but how did you project what you wanted to do over six, 12, 18 months, knowing that you were going to be working on it full time? Um, I guessed, <laughs> um, I kind of, I had that, that initial validation earlier on, like I mentioned. Um, and from there it was like, I guess I was in a situation where I was like, all I need to do is get enough customers. And at least this is how I rationalized it in my head. I was like, if I can just have say 10 clients or partners, I don't really think of them as clients, 10 partners around that number, that would be enough to pay for my team's overheads. And then my team can work on my own sites for free. So therefore, because sometimes I would have this thought like, why do I need to bother? Why don't I just have five of my own sites, maybe make 20K a month of those five, which is very easy to do, or even 30K a month of just those five sites and just work on the five sites myself and have no team. Um, or even just have one site, you know, doing 15k, that would that would keep me happy. Um, and then it was like, well, I kind of want a diversification, and I want to move up the food chain, as I talked about. I didn't want to just be having to do all the work myself. I didn't want to be reliant on my own like businesses as well. Um, so it was for me, it was about de-risking my own stuff, and also I, I was like, yeah, so. I'm pretty sure Onfolio is going to be a good idea, but worst case scenario, as long as it can just pay my bills, then the money I make from my own sites is kind of like free money. Um, so, but then when I started talking about it, like to FE International and Empire Flippers and um, within the Rhodium facebook group i don't know if you're aware um mm -hmm. there was a lot of people saying that's a great idea lots of people need that um and so before before maybe people started coming in um i got a lot of people telling me it was a good idea which doesn't necessarily mean it is a good idea but it it, it gave me enough confidence to keep going and now we get like one or two people messaging us a day talking about like the possibilities of working together. So yeah, to the extent where I never even bothered creating a, a sales page for right. the, the service, I was like, just contact us here. And then people started messaging me and I was like, Oh, maybe I should build out that page. And then more people started messaging me and I was like, maybe I shouldn't build out that page. <laughs> like maybe I should just leave it coming soon. Um, so that's kind of like, I guess I, I was fortunate enough to get just enough confirmation mm -hmm. early on and then mapping out where I want it to be in a year. That's kind of a, it's more like I'm in a position where I can build the company how I want it to be. And so sometimes you're like, should I do this? Should I do that? Do, 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 do I think my investors will want this thing or that thing? And it's like, well, what do I want? Because I'm in a position to say no to investors. So how do I want the company to be? Who do I want to work with? What kind of sites do I want to work on? And then go that way. So that's kind of how I've started repositioning it over the last few weeks. Great. 
Great answer. I know that that was a tough one, but like just I'll sort of restate it and summarize a little bit just to make sure I got it right. So you kind of looked at it holistically. You're like, what what do I need to like live day to day? Um, obviously, you know, you have some you have some cash flow going on, so you don't have to pay the rent. You can make some decisions based on what you actually want to work on, the kind of company you want to create. And um, from there, you had some early validation from smart people and professionals like veterans in the industry validating the idea. And you had enough traction early on from your multiple years of you know, building your brand, uh, establishing authority and having contacts in a network. So you were able to get enough people on board pretty quick so that you like knew that it wasn't just a good idea from like a conceptual standpoint, but people would actually pay you money to get moving. So is that pretty good? I get that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. And then I, I like what you said about like, you know, building the company that you like want to work at. You, you're, you know, fortunate enough, you've worked hard enough that you can say no to, uh, you know, clients that, you, you know, maybe you don't want to work with for whatever reason, you know? So like what kind of company do you want to build? Like what, what are you aiming for here? Um, so I want to, what, what I've noticed is really cool about websites, particularly content websites. In fact, maybe exclusively content websites is that as the website grows in size, the complexity doesn't and the work required doesn't. Like I was looking at a site, the, um, was for sale at FE International, and it was uh, it was just an affiliate site. Um, it made some of its money from Amazon, some of them from a private affiliate one. Which, if I if I mentioned that, it would give away the niche. But the site was for sale for like nine hundred and seventy thousand dollars, so basically a million bucks. And it required, according to the seller, which is always slightly not true, but it seemed legit enough to me based on my knowledge of the site. It's four hours a month. Um, and it was bringing in like, I don't know, uh, 30 ish K a month profit off like 32 K revenue. So it had like no expenses and I've seen sites, even bigger sites, um, you know, like those ones, like the wire cutter and best products. Um, there's another one on the market, which does 140k a month off like no i think it does 140k revenue around 100k profit um and again like it's got the team and the content and everything baked into the pnl so i was like yeah i could run that easily i could run 10 of those sites easily and then that's like bringing in like a couple hundred k a month and that would be kind of fun um, whereas, you know, trying to scale to having like 30 sites that make one K a month, that's very hard. So I want to ultimately end up pooling money together, whether it's through a fund or less formal, <clears throat> less formal legal structure, like kind of what we were talking about earlier, uh, the, the, the mini group buys, um, and just have this kind of mini like website empire, I guess, um, right you know, maybe just 10 really good sites. Um, and I think 
it's going to be it's going to be a lot easier to do in the future because there's more there's there's better and better sites being listed for sale and more and more money coming into the space so i kind of just want to be like working in in that space um and so right now we we could probably do that right now like if we had access to the capital but it's like we're we're not rushing like we're just going through the motions and every site we 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 work on we learn something or every investor we partner with some of them we've already been like yeah this isn't going to work so every person we partner with or every person who calls us to potentially partner we learn a little bit more every website we learn a ton so we're just kind of being like you know let's just spend like six months to a year just learning as much as we can so that we can play in the bigger the bigger leagues without you know messing up <laughs> big amounts right. of money right, so, right. <laughs> yeah now, are you, are you good on time right now? I know we're right at the top of the hour here, so like a couple of uh, minutes here. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, want to make sure. Okay. Um, so I got. I just have like a couple more questions for you. So every now and then, I would say every uh, couple months, someone has uh, some story about like affiliate marketing is going to end, or SEO is going to end, or whatever. Obviously, you're hitching your wagon to this um, in an even bigger way. So, like, what concerns do you have in, for example, the Amazon affiliate space where I think a lot of sites are around that or even on the, like you said, the Pinterest uh, Mediavine kind of uh, structure? So do do you have any concerns with, like, the Google business model? And you know what I'm saying, so I'll I'll just let you riff on that. Um, I mean, the short answer is no. I don't have those concerns. I think a lot of articles I've read or kind of arguments that I've seen people say for why that kind of Google affiliate marketing model is going to go away um, are at best like ill-informed and at worst just sensationalist clickbait. Um, in fact, I think there was one in the five-figure group where I said this is a really poor research right, uh, article. Um, I, I think maybe models will change and tactics will change. Like maybe Amazon affiliate won't work or maybe even the SEO play of ranking in Google and getting a click to Amazon or whatever, that may not work because like, I think it will, but you know, maybe it won't. But I think the fundamental basis of creating content that people like and then monetizing that content whether it's through ads or like affiliate links or services or memberships or whatever, I, I don't think that fundamental is ever going to go away. Maybe SEO will go away. Maybe social will go away. Maybe it won't. Maybe some new platform will come out. Like we'll all be in VR doing something. Who knows? But I, I just can't see that model going away because it's, it's just like, it's just publishing really. And publishing has been around for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm, you know, you said I'm, I'm hitching my wagon in a very big way. I'd say, well, it's less risky to work with a bigger site. Like you've got more money at risk, but bigger sites are better. They're more defensible. They have audiences. They have email lists. They have proper funnels and monetization. So I would say there's more risk in having like a 1K a month Amazon affiliate site than there is in having a 100K a month like 
whatever site. Mm-hmm. So sure, good answer, well put. And the last question here is: I know I, I make mistakes um, constantly. I would say. So I know Unfolio is sort of early in its um, like growth, but have you have you made any mistakes, any lessons learned with Onfolio so far? Um, well, before I started Onfolio, I bought a website with my own money, which I probably shouldn't have done because it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, so fortunately, I learned that early on because now when I'm buying sites with other people's money, like, I'm not making that mistake with their money. Um, that mistake was basically, I just bought a site thinking, oh, I'm going to grow the traffic. I'm going to improve the funnel. Like, yeah, maybe some elements of the site are a bit crap. Like maybe the, the sales page isn't very good and the ebook that it's selling could be better, but it's fine because I'm a good marketer. I'm going to improve the funnel and I'm going to, and like I never did improve the funnel and I actually made it worse. And then I spent six months making it better. And, and now it's roughly where it is when I bought it. And um, it was just a bit frustrating because I probably could have spent that money, quite a large amount of money. I could have spent that money on a site with more opportunity if I hadn't like got super attracted to like, I was just focusing on the potential that the site could get to rather than looking at where the site was and how risky it was um and like a month after i bought it for example it got banned from pinterest so its traffic went to zero and i got it unbanned because it was just pinterest sites get banned all the time because of people doing like fake spam reports and stuff and then you say i didn't spam and they say oh yeah you didn't and they unban you um but that was scary (laughs) um and i'm I'm trying to think of any other uh mistakes um I guess we had a couple of sites recently where I wish we'd moved a bit faster because we partnered on two sites in late May and we were going to run them through. They'd been losing traffic a bit. One of them got hit in the March 12th update. One of them had just slowly lost traffic. And we've turned sites around by going through our audit process and improving the technicals. And those ones we were like, yeah, we're going to like get right to work on them like beginning of June. And then the June update came in and they they tanked slightly more so i kind of wish we'd worked on them sooner because maybe they would have turned around in that update instead of tanked more um so i guess the mistake with that one was just not working on them as you know we were when you run a lot of sites sometimes you're like well it's fine if i do this next week instead of this week and nine times out of ten it is but sometimes it's like ah i should have i should have done like the technical things should have been done first. Gotcha. So that's a, yeah, that's just a missed opportunity more than a mistake, I think. Yeah. And you never know the timing on, you know, any of that stuff. Like you said, 90% of the time, it's fine if you wait. It's fine. So, yeah. Well, um, we're, we're at the end here. So, Dom, do you have any advice for people who are thinking of like purchasing a site or, uh, I guess, working with Onfolio? Um, I could give. I guess I would say try and read up about the model as much as you can before you either buy a site or work with with us because 
yeah, the best way to learn is by getting skin in the game and everything. But like, don't come into it completely ignorant. Like, don't expect it to be fully passive. Um, just try to, you know, educate yourself a bit first. Um, yeah, you know, pretty standard advice, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Well, people can find you at onfolio.co, uh, of course. Anywhere else you want people to connect with you? Um, yeah, that's the best place right now. I haven't set up like a Twitter account yet. <laughs> so yeah, that, that'll, that'll, that'll be the best place. Just reach out via the contact form. They all come to me. So right on. for now. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, always a pleasure to catch up, Dom, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Cheers. Great to be here. Thanks again to Dom. Really do appreciate the time. And because we are in very different time zones, like I think we're at like 12 or 13 hours of a difference. Usually I'm getting up pretty early and I'm, you know, I'm meeting with Dom late at night. So I appreciate, uh, you know, getting into his schedule. And I know that can be difficult. So thanks a lot, buddy. I do appreciate it. So everybody check out on folio.co if you are interested in the concepts that Dom was talking about. I think it's a great concept and I've seen it implemented a couple of times. So, you know, one of those, it's one of those things where just because there's competition out there doesn't mean it's a, like a bad thing. You actually want to have some competition. There's usually a little bit uh, less education that you have to provide your audience. If someone else has been educating the audience for a little while, those are your potential customers, of course. Moving on to a slightly related note, but not 100% related, is my case study on an aged site. So it's related because I actually worked with, or I am working with Dom's old company there, Human Proof Designs, and they make like done for you sites. And there's a wide range of what they offer. I do encourage you to check out like their offering. I'm an affiliate. So if you buy through my link, I get a commission, which I appreciate. It helps me, you know, pay for hosting for this podcast, for example, or other things. And sometimes I buy like organic dog biscuits for my friend Georgie. That's my dog. So anyway, the point is I'm working on this age site case study because I realized that there were many people asking me about these age sites, number one. Uh, number two, I really didn't have any direct experience with one of these age sites. And an interesting thing has happened as I sort of formulated the plan over the last few months. I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outsource almost everything. There seems to be a pretty large section of the audience that really identifies with me specifically, since I have a, you know, the IT background, I had a fairly, um, you know, what people would call in air quotes, a, you know, good job and all that kind of crap, right? I, I didn't really like it that much, but I was, you know, coasting, <laughs> I was getting by. Anyway, some of these other folks like you in the audience, you have a job, you know, you don't like it that much. You get paid pretty well. Um, things are good, right? Things are fine, but you kind of want to dabble with some of this online marketing and affiliate marketing, that sort of thing. You have a lot more money than you have time and you're willing to invest and use some of your you know, technical skills to maybe generate some side income. My voice cracked there, pardon me on that. And basically, 
my idea was to outsource almost everything and people are coming out of the woodwork. I only sent out a couple emails on this and people are replying back. I didn't ask anyone specifically to like, hey, send me a message or anything like that. But it's been awesome because I'm getting tons of questions. People are interested in the budget. People are interested in the timeline. They're interested in like how I managed to get traffic on the site before uh, like a week or two was up. I mean, like basically traffic was going to the site already, made sales within the first week, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be answering a lot of questions like that. And I do have a basically a raw notes page that I've created over at Niche Site Project. So if you want to get the sort of unfiltered, I don't put much context in there. It's more like bullet points and what I have going on. It'll it'll grow and I will document everything and, and place it in context and put a narrative around it. But there were a lot of people interested in sort of the raw notes of like what I'm doing in pretty close to real time. So you could check that out and it's at nichesiteproject.com slash ASCS, which stands for Age Site Case Study. So ASCS, you will see that notation in multiple places. So when you when you see that ASCS, then you'll know that that's what we're talking about. So if you do have questions, send me an email, feedback at doug.show. And if you're bold, and I highly encourage this, leave me a voicemail. There is a phone number in the show notes, and I've only had like one person leave me a voicemail, which is it's partially embarrassing to me because I'm like, I mean, I know some people are like listening to the show, right? I know you're out there. So just hop on your phone, give me a buzz, leave me a voicemail, ask whatever question you have, even though it's going to take more editing on my part, I think having, uh, you know, your real actual voice on there, we could even do some sort of a voice disguiser thing, you know, so it's sort of uh, more anonymous. So maybe it'll sound like this. I can make it sound very strange or I can just leave your regular voice in there. So anyway, the point is, if you have questions about this age site case study, please ask them. It'll make it a better case study because I'll be able to answer the questions that you have specifically. And again, I know a ton of people are interested, so I expect this to, well, I want it to go well, of course, but I expect it to be fairly popular and it could be really cool for people to share with other folks, right? Because it's like a real life case study and probably, right? The whole goal here is to like see the results of like an affiliate site, like the earnings, the real results that we care about faster. We want to see them faster than starting a site from scratch and taking six months to hit the first like $100. We want to hit those milestones faster and we want to hopefully, right? The, the goal here is for this to succeed. So I get a positive ROI in the shortest amount of time and outsourcing it along the way. So anyway, I'll leave it at that and everyone have a great day. We'll catch you on the next Doug show. See you later.